great. Amen. Like I mentioned, Pastor Laura's not here. Uh, he's been here with us before. Uh, Pastor Joey's a great friend of the ministry. For a few years now, I had an opportunity to meet him while we were doing high school ministry in Montclair. He's the senior pastor of Calvary Montclair, and he's all over the city. He's the chaplain there for Montclair, and and uh, you know, he's been an awesome. He's been such an encouragement to my life personally, but to the ministry and to our pastor. Please help me welcome Pastor Joe. All right. Hey family, Hello. it's great to see you here, and I feel real, real comfortable here. Um, I, I grew up right down the road um, in Almani, and uh, in fact, my mom still stays there. And, and growing up in Almani, uh, I grew up with um, with a single mom. And you know, it, it's quite interesting. Um, I never knew that we um, we lacked um, because God was very gracious um, in always providing um, for our family. Yes, we did eat, uh, beans and rice almost every day, but that's okay. That's okay. And God provides for us. And, and so I'm just really grateful for my salvation. I'm grateful for a praying mom um, and that he is indeed uh, a husband to a widow and a father to a father. My mom never remarried. She knew that the Lord was her shepherd, and, and the shepherd, our good shepherd, will provide for her needs and, and our needs. And so, um, so in a very real way, um, I feel like I am home. Um, I currently live in Chino. Um, I'm married, and been married for 20 years. And I can't believe that my wife tolerated me for all those years. <laughs> and I, I have two kids. I have a 17-year-old. Joshua, and he's going to be graduating this year. I had a, the, the honor to be uh, a chaplain of his football team, and, uh, and so it was really, really, really good. I, I did play football. I played at, at Mountain View High um, in Armani, and I think he did play Rosemead <laughs> back in the day. And I have a daughter. Her name's Caitlin, and Caitlin's 15, and she's going to be 16. And Caitlin, she's a ballerina. Yeah, she, she does tap dance, and um, it's a, it's a joy to uh, uh, be a part of her life, my son's life, and, and to be there. My, my boy asked me a while back, and he said, Dad, why are you always at all my events? <laughs> and I said, you know, I never had a dad that was at the events. And I asked the Lord if he would ever bless him with a son, that I would be there at all your events, because I know what it's like to to look in the stands and not seeing a parent there. I know what that's like. And my mom tried her best, but she couldn't be everywhere at once. And I said, I don't want you to ever have that that empty, hollow feeling inside of you not having a parent there. And um, I said also, too, the Bible says, wherever your treasure is, there goes your heart. And buddy, you're my treasure. And so my heart is connected where you're at. And so if I could... Uh, at a football event or a tap dance event, and I still don't know all the terms of ballet and tap dance and all that, but I'll be a part of it. I'll be a part of it, and so, so that's just a little about me, a little bit of, about me, and, um, and the Lord opened an opportunity to, to pastor a congregation, and, and I, I love our church family there in the city of Montclair, and um, as 
Chris mentioned, also a, a chaplain for the police department uh, there in Montclair and the fire department as well. And so when, whenever there's someone that um, is going through a devastating situation, um, I'm able to be called upon just to be there with them. And quite honestly, I don't really have the right words to say, and I just pray, and I, and I just ask the Lord that he would um, fill me with his spirit, and that would just be a ministry of presence. And, and we know one of the shortest scriptures in the Bible is that Jesus wept. And that's what I do at times. I just go there and, and weep with them because I understand that. I understand pain. And so, um, so I get to do that, and it's an honor to be, to, to be a chaplain. Um, so, so that's a little bit about myself. And my shoe size is first. <laughs> <laughs> If, if you would, in mind, to open up your, your Bible to the book of Micah. Micah in the Old Testament. Micah is located, actually, technically, Micah is in heaven right now. But we have his word that we get to study. Uh, if you uh, go to the last book of the Old Testament and you cruise over seven books to your left, you will find the book of Micah. If you get to the book of Ezekiel or Daniel or Hosea, you got just a little bit too far. It's right next to the book of Jonah. So the book of Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Micah chapter 6 verse verse 8. As we have entered a new year, I started asking our Lord Jesus Christ what would he have for me personally? What would he have for me personally? And what can I share with other people? And then it dawned on me, as we enter 2020, it dawned on me that, that 2020 represents to see things clearly. Well, as I have got older, um, I have to wear glasses now. When I was a youngster, I never wore glasses. And, I, and the point of wearing glasses is that I would see things clearly. And I really sense from the Holy Spirit that he wanted me and others to see things clearly. And, and one of the things that I really believe that the Lord wants us to see clearly is what is required of us, is what he requires of us. Because I love the Lord so much. He was so faithful to me as I was wandering around the streets of Almani looking for hope and looking for love and and he stormed the floodgates of my heart and he won me over with his unconditional love. And I just love Jesus. And because of Jesus, I'm going to be reunited with my father. I haven't seen my father since I was 12 years old. So I get to be reunited with him. And it's because of Jesus Christ I love him so much. I'm thankful for my salvation. And, and, and because I, I love the Lord, I want to see him clearer. I want to know what he wants. Have, have you ever had a, a supervisor, someone that's over you, and you never knew what was required of you? I mean, you go there for work, and you're like kind of scratching your head, and you're thinking, so what, do, what am I supposed to be doing anyway? What's the requirements here? I don't know about you, but I had a supervisor like that. I really didn't know my duties, but when he would walk around, I would act like I was busy. But... I really didn't know what he required of me. Oh, know this, beloved of the Lord. 
our Savior is not like a supervisor like that. He lays out very clearly what he requires of us. So as we gather together and we're in God's word uh, this evening, we're going to be learning eight actions that the Lord requires from us. And by the time we leave church here this evening, you're going to learn eight actions from the scriptures, what the Lord requires of us. So you can leave here seeing clearly, 2020 vision, clearly what the Lord requires of us. And I, I want to uh, publicly thank uh, Pastor Art for, for having me out um, when, when uh, he called me um, and asked me if I would come out. Um, I said right away, of course, yes. And, uh, and being out in this area, it's, it's a stone of remembrance for me. Just remember how good our Lord is. So I'm really honored to, to be here. So I'd like to pray for Pastor Arzi. He's going to be teaching the word and, and pray um, as we gather together to be in God's word um, this evening. Let us pray. Our Father, we want to tell you we love you so much. We're so grateful for our salvation. We're so thankful that we get to be um, alive, another day of life, Lord. And Lord, as we open up your word, and we pray in Jesus' name that you please open up our hearts. God, that you cause your word just to settle upon our hearts, Lord. Lord, that we would not only be hearers of your word, but we will become doers of your word, Lord Jesus. And we just want to thank you, Father, for the body of Christ, that so many people are gathering together, like the body there in, in Downey, Lord, to, to hear Pastor Art unfolding scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to move in a powerful way because you are faithful to your word, and your word never turns back void. So, Lord, would you anoint Anoint Pastor Art with a double portion of your anointing, Lord. And Lord, that people there would just leave more in love with you, Jesus. And we pray for us, Lord, our body here. God, that you would cause us just to really see clearly what you require of us, Lord Jesus, because you are our Savior. And so I just pray, Father, that you would cause us to see what you want from us, Lord. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So the first action or the first requirement what God requires of you and me and every single believer out there. Notice with me in verse 8 what God requires of you. Number one, to do justly. To do justly. Now, what does it mean to do justly? Well, justly means to behave in a just manner to behave or to live in a just manner. Behaving just includes treating people fairly in an even-handed manner without showing favoritism or being prejudiced or having self-interest. The Lord requires of us to behave in an even-handed manner, to be just, to be fair with other people. Now, why is that? Oh, you know why that is. Because the Lord in his nature, he is just. He's a just God, right? 
Oh, for God so loved the world, and, and he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die upon the cross. Why do you do that? Because the Lord is a just God. He cannot wink at sin. And he saw sin inside of us because the Bible speaks about when you were born, when you came out of your mother's womb, you were born with a sinful nature. And we had to deal with the sinful nature. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We is eternal life with the Lord for all eternity. So God being a just God, he had to deal with the sin. So what he did is he, there was a substitute that took place. The Lord came and he died in our place, became our substitute. And now we're clothed with his righteousness. And the Lord's a just God. He dealt with sin. And he put our sin upon his son, Jesus Christ. And so the Lord's a just God. And we are called to be like our father. And our father is just. So we're called to treat people in a just fashion. I know you and I know me want people to treat us in a just manner, don't we? We want we don't want people to be shown favoritism over us. We we want a fair shake at at, at things or responsibilities and at a job site. And, and and as we want that, we are called to treat others fairly, to be just with other people. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 3 says this. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3 says. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So you could have one that's saying, oh, I sacrifice for the Lord. Oh, I get up early in the morning. I just sacrifice for God. And then God will say, oh, that's great. Oh, wonderful. Yes, that's wonderful. But how about being justice? Are you just with people that you live with? Are you fair or do you share favoritism? How about the people that you work with? Are you just? Do you treat everybody equal? God loves people. Why? Because everybody's been made in his image. Oh, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. So therefore, I'm going to treat everyone that I come in contact with in a fair manner. Why? Because it's required of you. It's required of you. What does God require of me? What does God require of me? Well, to... Do justice. That's what the Lord requires of us. So when we do justice and we live in a just uh, manner, it really demonstrates that, that we are taking our walk with Christ Jesus seriously. So when we live in a just fashion, treat everybody across the board fairly. Fairly. When we do that, when we live this way, it reveals that we are taking our walk with Christ seriously. And this is what the Lord requires of us, according to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. So that's the first point, the first action from us. So we know when, when we live life here on earth, what does the Lord require of me? He wants me to, to be just. Secondly, secondly, according to Micah chapter 6, verse 8, notice this. It says not only to do justice, but notice, what does it say? To love mercy. I am to love mercy. We are to love mercy. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean when someone loves mercy? Well, someone who loves mercy is a person that is thankful for the mercy that God has extended to them and then wants to pass that mercy on to others by being kind and being compassionate to them. Oh, no, beloved of the Lord. God's mercy for you. It's renewed every single day. 
showers you. Every, every day you take a shower, hopefully you take a shower every day, but every day you take a shower, may that remind you how the Lord showers you with his mercy. So the Lord pours mercy, and you're like, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner needing a Savior, and he says, oh, I have been. And that's what mercy means. Mercy is means receiving something that you don't deserve. God wants us to love mercy. Is there somebody in your life that deserves judgment? I'm so glad that the Lord didn't give us judgment. See? Then no, can see. He did it. And because he didn't give us judgment, this is hard. This is practical Christianity 101, to love mercy, to be merciful to someone. And the Lord wants us to not like mercy, but to love mercy. That's what the Lord requires of us, to be merciful people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed, or the word is blessed, it means happy. Happy are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. The fact of the matter is, you and I, and I too, mercy to give out to other people doesn't naturally happen. And that's why we need the movement of the Spirit of God to supernaturally cause us to act in a merciful way, to show people mercy. And I have learned something. What have you learned? I'll tell you what I learned, since you wanted to know. I have learned, when you show someone mercy, it goes a long way. Have you ever been extended mercy? Oh, you know you should have been in trouble. You know you should have been hit, perhaps, by a parent. Discipline. But someone just comes to you and says, you know what? You should be penalized, but... I'm not going to penalize you. Go ahead and go free. Oh, how we feel. But we forget. We forget how that is when someone has been merciful to us. Now we want to bring the hammer down on someone else. Oh, the Bible says to love mercy. To, to love mercy. And that's what the Lord requires of us. He wants to fill our hearts with mercy. And he wants us to be merciful to other people. Now, number three, the third action that the Lord requires of us. So you're going to know crystal clear what God clearly wants of you. I like to know what God clearly wants of me. I'm a kind of uh, practical person. You know, I, I, I played sports. I know some of you play sports. You know, I just need to know, give me the ball. Where do I run? Run there? Okay, here we go. You know, same thing with the Lord. Lord, what does he require me? Lay it out. One, two, three, four, five, six. And, and I will do it by the strength of, and the power of your Holy Spirit. And so thirdly, what does the, the third action of the Lord that would require of us, and I love this, to walk humbly with our God. To walk humbly with our God. Now to walk humbly with God means to, to walk in, in his ways and, and to daily have fellowship with him. So to walk with God, to, to have devotion with the Lord. And, and, and this is done when I, when I walk with God, this is done when I know who he is and who I am. I mean, he's God Almighty. He's the creator of the heavens and earth. He's the great I am. And I'm the great I am not. And so it's all about Jesus. And so we're to walk humbly before the Lord. It doesn't say we're to be proud before the Lord. Oh, God's not attracted to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We can't walk around and say, you know what? Yeah, God, you know what, Lord? Man, you got a good thing when you got me. Yeah, you did. No, no, no. 
when you got me, you got a broken person. And Lord, by your grace and your mercy, you rebuilt my life. Lord, you made me into your beautiful masterpiece. And, and I give you honor and praise. Because quite honestly, any good in me is because of the grace of God. And, and so the Lord wants us to walk humbly with him. And this is done when we remember who he is and remembering who we are. We're to walk with God like Enoch in the Bible and like Noah. Genesis chapter 5 verse 24 says that Enoch walked with God. Also in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 Noah walked with God. Now, one thing I like about Noah is this. Noah walked with God in an ungodly time. You and I, we live in an ungodly time. And we are called to walk with God in an ungodly time. Though none go with me, I still will follow. My eyes fixed and focused on the cross. No looking back, but looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so may we humbly walk with God and trust his guidance because he knows the way that is better than our own way. We're called to not lean upon our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all our ways. And I'm so glad that, that your church, as I heard your announcement, that you guys have a week of prayer and fasting. I love that because that's what tells the Lord, say, Lord, I seek ye your kingdom first. And then all these things just happen out. So as we begin a new year, we say, Lord, direct our lives, direct our church, our, our fellowship at um, Calvary Montclair. We also had a, a week of prayer and fasting. It, it's one of the greatest things that a church can do because we're, we're saying we're, we're being dependent upon the Lord. Lord, I need you. I need you more today than yesterday. Guide us. Lead, lead us, Lord. We don't want to tell you, God, what to do. We want you to tell us what to do. And, and so to walk humbly before the Lord means that his way is better and we yield to it. And even if it hurts, we say, Lord, it hurts, but, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow your ways. So to walk with God, we must follow his lead. And we must not say, Lord, I want my will to be done. No, let's yield and say, Lord, your will will be done. And I will follow you. No questions asked. So in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. We saw three actions that the Lord requires of us. Now, there's a few more I want to highlight to you. Now, I'm going to be sharing um, this uh, two more points out of the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to learn two more actions that the Lord requires of us. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Now, something to mention about the writer of Ecclesiastes, his name is Solomon. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's right next to your Proverbs, um, by the way. And the book of Ecclesiastes is, is written by, by Solomon. Solomon, during this time period, he was considered to be the wisest man. The, this guy, Solomon, had all the knowledge. Solomon experienced all the pleasures that, that man can experience. He, he experienced it. Solomon also, he was one that was very wealthy. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of dinero. And yeah, you know, this man was rich. He, 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 he had everything. And I find it interesting that the, the last um, chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the last comments that, that he has to mention, I find it interesting. He says, here's the conclusion of the matter. Here's what life is all about, in other words. I've done it all, experienced it all. And what I have 
learned, and this is a conclusion that I come up with, what life's all about. Number one, to fear God and to keep his commandments, for this is a duty of all mankind. Notice where it says all, all mankind. This is the duty. So number four, the fourth action, the fourth action that the Lord requires of us is to fear God, is to fear God. Now, to fear God is to have an absolute reverence and an awe for the, um, our almighty Lord, who is the creator of all things. We are to be in awe of God. It's not like a, a, a fear where we're, we're afraid of the Lord. I don't know if you had a, an older brother that, that always liked to pick on you. Well, I did. I mean, you had an older sister. So, growing up, um, I had three brothers, Joaquin, Myself, Joseph, and Sean. And we, we grew up in a two-bedroom home, Dan and Omoni. And um, our brother liked to um, scare us. He would tell us when the lights would be off, my mom would be in her room, the lights would be off, and we're getting ready for bed. He would say, Joseph. I'm like, yes, Joaquin. Joseph. Yes. He would say, that kukui's going to come and get you. <laughs> And I'll be like, no, no, I don't want the kukui to come and get me. And I would run and jump in my mom's bed and say, Mom, walking in, the kukui's going to come and get me. Mom, who's the kukui kukui anyway? (laughs) I didn't know. Oh, with the Lord, there's not a fear that we have him that he's going to strike us down. No, the word fear, you could translate it to be uh, the the word meaning awe, A-W-E, that we're in awe of God. And we are to fear God or be in awe of God. Live your life in awe of God and say, Oh, my Lord created the, the stars, the heavens and earth. Oh, my Lord, I'm in awe of him. He created the woodpecker. The woodpecker is an amazing, amazing um, animal. You know the woodpecker? Let me tell you about the woodpecker. The, the woodpecker has a long tongue, about yay big. Yeah, imagine you having a long tongue like that. You're real. God. It's about yay big. And the woodpecker also has a, a cushion that God made um, in his skull. Because the woodpecker pecks wood, right? And, and so he has his cushion so he doesn't um, um, cause his brains to be um, mush. <laughs> because so there's, a, there's a cushion there thanks to his little little brain. And then the, God created the, the, the woodpecker to, to have a sticky saliva on his tongue. So he has a a big, big tongue, and so he, he picks a, a hole in a tree for the purpose to get his tongue to go in the tree, up the tree, because as a sticky saliva, and, and he, when he does, he captures um, bugs. Yeah, he captures bugs, and they get caught on his tongue, and then homie brings his tongue all the way back, eat, eats, eats the little bugs, and then wraps his um, uh, big tongue around his skull. Our God created a woodpecker that way. You can explain the gospel through animals. I don't know if you guys like animals. Animals are amazing. And you can explain the gospel through science, through um, the, the, the earth where the sun is. The, the sun is just in the right position. If the sun moved just a little bit more, we'll be all toast. How God created the heavens and earth. Let's be in awe of God. Let's be in awe of the Lord. To, to be in awe of the Lord is just so wonderful. How do you be in awe of the Lord? Know the attributes of God. God is kind. 
God is love. God is just. God is sovereign. And know the attributes of God. Just be in awe of him and say, Lord, you are just amazing. To fear God means that we develop a solid, solid convictions in our life that, that we don't compromise, that we don't compromise at all. And, and when we don't fear God, we won't take sin seriously. You want to be a person that takes sin seriously and you won't flirt with sin? The, the remedy to, to not flirt with sin is to fall in love with the Lord, be in awe of Him. So you love the Lord more than sin. You love the Savior more than sin. And, and so you don't want this pet little sin like, hey, sin, what's up? You don't even go there because you don't want to break the heart of the Lord. You don't want to grieve His Spirit. And so you have a fear of God. And we are called to have the fear of the Lord. And you show me a person that has a fear of the Lord, I'll show you a person that has a lot of wisdom. You want to be smart. You want to have wisdom. How does that happen? Fear of the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To be a wise person is to be a person that fears the Lord. Now, number five, verse seven, number, number five, the fifth action that the Lord requires of us is to keep his commandments. According to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 2, that's the duty of all mankind. We're called to keep his commandments. To keep his commandments requires knowledge of his word. You can't keep something that you don't know about, right? So we are called to know his word and have a willingness to do what God tells us. By the way, God's commandments or God's word, the Bible says it's not burdensome. And the book of 1 John speaks about that. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says, His commandments are not burdensome. The Lord would never ask you to do something that He didn't give you the ability to carry it out. God's word is not heavy bricks that we have to carry on our backs like, Oh, I can't do this. Oh, this is burdensome. No. Oh, for the Lord, for the, for, with the, come to the Lord. He says, come to me, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So to carry out God's word, it's easy. It's not burdensome at all. And know by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live out what Christ says and be truly Christ-like. So that was the fifth uh, action what the Lord requires of us. Now I'm going to share with you number six and number seven. Number six and number seven, if you wouldn't mind to jump to the New Testament, to the first book of Matthew, chapter six. Matthew chapter six. There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, so we're going to jump in, and we're going to spend some time with Matt, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew also, you'll get to uh, meet him in heaven as well as Micah, and uh, so they, they are our homies in heaven, and we're going to see you one day. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and I'm turning there too, and this is going to be the, the sixth action with the Lord which requires of us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where treasures, uh, where thieves do not break in and steal. So there in this portion of scripture, it says to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's the sixth action that the Lord requires of us. He wants us to have an eternal perspective, to lay our treasures up in heaven. So Jesus is challenging us not to gather a bunch of stuff here on earth, but he's encouraging us, he's challenging us to be generous 
to have generous lives, and, and to invest in God's kingdom, to, to put your investments in the Lord's work, and it will pay rich dividends, no doubt. When we invest our resources in God's kingdom, our heart will be pulled in that direction. Do you want a heart for heaven? Do you want a heart for things of eternity? Oh, invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in the Lord's work. And know that the key to living a generous life is having a heart that delights in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then you're going to live your life with the things that please the Lord. Souls, people, invest in people. Souls are eternal. The word of God is eternal. Everything else upon the face of the earth is temporary. The only eternal matters here upon the face of the earth are people, because people have souls, and the living word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will live for, for, forever. So how do we offer our treasures to the Lord? Well, we do so by offering the Lord, I call the three T's. The three T's. We're called to offer our three T's. You all have three T's, by the way. If you didn't know that, congratulations, you really do. So the three T's, number one, is time. How do you invest your time? What do you do with your time? And I, and I know you guys love the Lord because you're using your time here on a Wednesday evening to come in to learn more about the Lord. That's beautiful. Oh, may your time um, be for eternal purposes. So continue to give your time to the Lord. Secondly, we're called to invest our talents. And guess our talents. The Lord has given you talents. The Lord has given you gifts and abilities. Utilize it for the glory of God. And lastly, treasures. Give your treasures for the Lord. Bless people. Oh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We just got uh, at, um, off the, the, the holidays, right? Uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Could you believe that? A few weeks ago? Christmas? The best part of Christmas, besides eating tamales, <laughs> is, is seeing the gifts that we give to our little ones, huh? And see their little faces just light up. And when we invest our treasures and to give to other people, we are giving away selfishness over and over and over again. The life to live in on earth is a selfless life. It is giving yourselves away, giving your treasures away, serving people, helping others. And at first, it begins within your own house. Serve your families. Treasure them. Value them. Now, the, the seventh action, that was number six, the, the, the last action that the Lord requires of us. And I'm going to have you turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 37. So that's a few pages over. Matthew 22, verse um, 37. This is the seventh action that the Lord requires of us. What does the Lord require of us? Well, we're going to see the seventh action in, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Notice with me. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the, section, the seventh action that the Lord requires of us is to love God and love others. That's what he requires of us, to love him and to love others. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, there the Bible says, We love him because he first loved us. Do you know what Christianity is all about in a nutshell? 
Christianity is about responding to the love of God. Responding to the love of God. He first loved us, and we responded with love. We love him back. It's like the prodigal son story. The daddy, he ran to his son, and his son responded and ran back, ran to him. We're responders to the love of God. Oh, I encourage you to learn how deep and how wide is the love of Christ for you. And as you learn of God's great, amazing love, you're going to respond to it. You're going to be like, Lord, why would you love me? Lord, you love me. I was one that I lacked a lot. I was considered to be poor here on earth, and you love me, and you provided riches for me. You took care of me, Lord Jesus, because I'm the apple of your eye. I'm the delight of your heart. You watched out for me. And I could say this, as I look back in my life now, I'm now 49 years old. I know I look 20, but I'm 49. I could tell you, when I look back in my life and, and growing up right down the road, God, God, God took care of me. God took care of me. We never went without um, lacking. We, we never went out with lacking. We always had food upon our table. We always had clothes. And, and I'm, I'm just thankful for the Lord. He's been so good to, good to me. And so we respond to the Lord's love. We respond to the Lord's faithfulness. Count your blessings. Consider all that the Lord has done for you. And when, when, when you take in the Lord's love, and, and it's that Lord's love, that then you pour out to other people. Like picture if, if I had a cup right here. If I had a cup right here and I had this water bottle, and, and I just pour this, pour this, pour this, pour this in here, and then it spills on my brother. That's how it's supposed to be our love is. I, I, the Lord fills my heart with his love and his goodness. He fills my heart and that I love my brother with the overflow of his love. That's how that works. So, Lord, I, I need your love. Lord, fill me with your love, Lord, with your spirit, Lord, because I'm going to encounter somebody tomorrow at work that I want to snap at them. I want to, like, tell them what I really think of them. So, Lord, you want me to walk humbly before you. Lord, you want me to, to show mercy. You want me to, to be a just person. So, Lord, fill me with your spirit and cause me from the overflow to, to be justice, to, to love mercy, to love you, and to love other people. And that's what the Lord requires of us. He requires us to love him. Or love others from the overflow that he pours out on us. So what does love look like? Well, we know 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says, love is patient. We're called to be patient with people. So if you consider yourself to be a loving person, I don't, I don't know about you. I, I sometimes consider myself to be a loving person. I'm a loving person. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm patient. Am I really a patient person? I'm Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Am I a jealous person? Or boastful or proud or rude? Am I a rude person? It does not demand its own way or my way or the highway. Love is not irritable. We don't get irritable. It, it, it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice in, uh, about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins. Now, love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to love others. And this is what love looks like according to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 and 4. And, and finally, also um, in the book of Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, 
we are to, to learn, I mean, there's the eighth action, I'm sorry, the eighth action, verses uh, 28. Now turn over to Matthew chapter uh, 28. I said there's seven, there's eight. The eighth action in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, this, this is the last action that the Lord requires of us. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Matthew 28, verse 19. The eighth action that the Lord requires of us is to make disciples. Notice with me, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. To the end of the age, the Lord is always with us. So the eighth action, the final action that the Lord requires of us is to make disciples. Do you know how you make disciples? Well, the answer is it's found in verse 20. See this in verse 20. I want to show you something in verse 20. Maybe you have never seen before. The way that we make disciples is to teach, is to teach them to observe all things that, that, that you have learned from the Lord. Notice where it says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So the things that the Lord has taught you, you teach others. So today, you, you learn. You learn um, eight requirements of what the Lord has for you, what it requires of you. Now, the way you disciple somebody is to teach them that. Yeah, that's it. And just to share what you're learning. You read a scripture. You, you worship the Lord, and there's a song that really ministers to you. Share it with other people. Tell somebody. Tweet it. Facebook it, Instagram it, share with other people. And when you're doing that, you're making disciples. The Lord is poured into you, now pour into others. The Lord is not complicated. I think we are the ones that make things complicated. So our responsibility is to make disciples. The way we make disciples is just to share what you're learning. That's it. Share what you're learning with other, with other people. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. So it's receiving from the Lord, it's given out. It's like basketball. I bounce the ball, boom. Dish it off to somebody, and then he dishes it off to somebody else. We learn from the Lord, and then we just dish, dish off what, what we have learned. And that's discipleship. So let's make it our mission. Let's make it our, 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 our mission to, to pour all these godly lessons that the Lord has taught us and pour it into somebody else. Especially if you have children, grandchildren, nieces, and nephew, the next generation needs to know about God's faithfulness and God's goodness. There's a very sad book in the Bible, in the book of Judges, there's a verse that says, a generation grew up without knowing the faithfulness of God. That's very sad. So may our family members, may our family members know God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Share with them. Share with them the, these eight actions that the Lord requires of us. And so as we have now approached this new year, may we see clearly and determine to live life and being just with other people. Let's be just with people. Let's love mercy. Let's walk humbly with our God. And let's be in awe of the Lord. Let's keep his commandments. Let's lay our treasures in heaven. Let's love God and love others. And let's make disciples. Now, why should we do this? Because the Lord requires of us to do so. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for these lessons that you have taught us.
Lord, that we see clearly this evening what you want from us. Now, Lord, in a sense, we have the football. Now, we're just going to run straight. We know our action plan. We know our mission. We know what we're going to do. So I just pray, Father, that you would just strengthen my brothers and sisters, Lord, to carry out these words because your words are not burdensome. I pray that they would just have been encouraged this evening, strengthened this evening, Lord. Lord, that you have met them, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just continue just to draw us close to yourself. Now I want to pray for you as your head is bowed and your eyes are respectfully close to the Lord. If you need prayer today, would you raise your hand? Maybe you're struggling or, or, or and you need a touch from the Lord. Or maybe you're not right with the Lord or you have never asked the Lord into your heart. Or maybe you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world and you're not really walking hand in hand with the Lord. Or, or maybe you need prayer because you're not living like in a just fashion. You, you show favoritism to, to other people. Everybody at your home or people at your work site, you, you, you don't give a, a fair handshake to everybody. There's some people where maybe you don't like, or maybe there's an ethnic group that you don't like. God requires us just to, to, um, to be fair, to love just. And maybe you need prayer for that. You need to be more just. Or maybe you need prayer be, be, because you, you need to be more merciful. You, you come down like a, a hammer and you kind of lay in people. But now maybe the Lord wants you to be more of a merciful people, to let people off the hook. And, and to talk with them about it and to let them go as the Lord has been merciful to you. Or, or maybe maybe you need prayer this evening because you're not walking humbly before your God and need prayer for that. Or maybe you need prayer to be in awe of the Lord or keep his word or, or to lay your, your, your time, your, your treasures and your talents in heaven. And, and so maybe you need prayer this evening. If you need prayer, would you raise your hand with me? Would you raise your hand with me if you need prayer? And Lord, are you seeing that all the hands are going up right now? You know the reason why the hands are going up, Lord. And I thank you that you're a faithful, Lord, that you will meet us, Lord. And I just thank you, Father, for, for, for your son, for your daughter. They're raising their hand to their father. And as they're raising their hand to you, Father God, I just pray that you would meet them in a very special way. But, Lord, that you would enable them just to walk humbly before you, Lord, and carry out, Lord, what you want us to live and how you want us to live. So I thank you, Lord, for the hands that are raised. I thank you for meeting people here this evening. And we give you praise. You put your hands down. And I just pray, Lord, moving forward, Lord, that we will just live lives and live humbly um, lives, Lord, just walking with our God. And we just want to thank you for your love for us. And may we share um, your love with other people to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.